the reason it became difficult in university was because I was made to feel like my faith, my race and my different culture, my family, that was something bad. One of the really crucial examples of this was when I was on placement and a doctor said to me, how can you be studying medicine and wear that hijab on your head? Have you ever really stopped to wonder what makes you, you? Why you think the way you do and feel the things you feel? This is Your Amazing Mind, and this podcast is here to help you understand why your mind is so amazing. I'm Michael Pearson, Deputy Head of Student Counselling at the University of Bristol. And what we're doing in this podcast is opening up conversations about the biggest mental health issues affecting students, young people, and everyone. In each episode, you'll hear a student's frank and thoughtful experience of a particular mental health issue. And then we'll get together with a special guest to help you realize that there are people out there that might just get what you're going through and to give you some advice to help you feel just that little bit better. In today's episode, we're exploring marginalization and mental health, particularly the experiences of people whose mental health has been affected by the experience of racism and discrimination. Being treated differently because of color, because of clothing, because of assumptions about culture and faith can have a huge and long lasting impact on someone's well being. Issues can be worsened further by mental health support systems that do not recognise or understand the important role that culture and identity has on an individual's recovery. Shortly we'll be speaking to the Deputy Mayor, Cabinet Member for Communities, Equalities and Public Health, Councillor Asha Craig. We'll be hearing about her work and her understanding and personal experiences of marginalisation and mental health. But first, we're going to hear from Khadija's amazing mind and the sincere and sometimes challenging account of how she has experienced marginalization and how she embraces faith and culture to heal and empower her. My experience of anxiety and feeling low was feeling like it was just an increasing pressure that wouldn't stop, that it was just getting more and more difficult and hard to see solutions but then instead of being encouraged to find ways to use my faith my race and my different culture my family those were being minimized so I was increasingly finding it harder and harder to see the positive things in the experience of university around me and that's why like I I honestly want to say to to every student listening but especially BAME students especially students of faith that nothing is wrong with you feeling negativity and you shouldn't have to feel a pressure to use recommended support that's just not helpful to you or isn't compatible with the way that you've been brought up or the ways that you're different those aspects of your identity are so valid and important and should be incorporated into the help that you get. I think I realised that there was an issue with the way that race and culture was being incorporated into the conversations around well-being. When I first started to seek well-being support myself, it was when, um, during sixth form actually, that the pressures 
um, began to increase a lot in my life that I started to seek just some more informal well-being advice so not necessarily professional services but well-being advisors just to get general advice about managing stress in sick form and I really was conscious of the fact that a lot of the advice I was getting seemed to be pitting my experiences that I have um, as a person of colour, as a Muslim, pitting that against my well-being, almost to say that that was something that was going to be negative for my well-being experience, that that was something that was holding me back, that I needed to take on these new practices that were entirely different and quite foreign to the way I was in order to improve my my well-being. I really started to realise how much feeling out of place in your environment because of your race, culture or religion impacts your mental health during university. Naturally, because of a combination of living out and also just in general because of the hours of university life being quite long, I was spending more and more time away from my family and more and more time in a different community, in in the university community. It can be hard for you to find people that you can identify with because of your race or culture or faith. And you're often either in your living environment or your academic environment. You're often in this wider student bubble where it's much more obvious that you are a minority for, for those reasons. I've had to really find a place where I understand my culture and my faith and my race is empowering because I went through that process over a number of times during school and sick form. But the reason it became difficult in university was because I was made to feel like that was something bad, that finding those things to be positive aspects of my life, that wasn't a narrative that was very well supported. One of the really crucial examples of this was when I was on placement and a doctor said to me how can you be studying medicine and wear that hijab on your head he didn't use the word hijab but he just like pointed to to that on my head I had always of course been conscious that Muslim women will face Islamophobia and racism throughout their lives or careers but it was something that that never daunted me I always felt I had a natural place um, and right to study medicine alongside anyone else and I still do but it was the first time that I was directly confronted with that and made to feel conscious of the fact that I was wearing hijab and that someone had tried to paint that as a barrier to me like how can you be studying medicine and wear that that was never a question to me before like I believe very strongly and I still believe that I am studying medicine and I wear the hijab and the hijab actually empowers me to be able to study medicine like those things are always compatible with each other but in that instance they were pitted against each other the other thing for example that really impacted my well-being was the massive influence of drinking culture on university life just the constant microaggressions and comments you face about how you can have a good time and how you can um, have a good university experience when you don't drink you know the whole like oh isn't that dead and like uh, how how do you network with people? Like, how do you have fun? Just constant nitpicking and questioning of things that you don't feel need to be questioned. Everyone has a different way of navigating the university experience. But to me and my values, that's not a part of it. And it doesn't need to be a part of it. And I still have a very positive experience without that aspect. 
it can be very jarring to have that constantly being called into question. I think the university support services for wellbeing and for mental health are improving in the sense that they are recognising that there's a problem. They're recognising that there is an issue with people of a minority ethnic background, people from minority faiths, people of different cultures. There's an issue with their access to these services. They've made some efforts to try and combat those issues, like increasing the diversity of the support staff. However, I think there is a long way to go in terms of the solutions that exist to these problems. And that is why I really want to encourage students listening from those backgrounds that if you have an issue with well-being, you seek support and you feel that that support hasn't been mindful of your race, your faith or your culture, for you to raise that as an issue, for you to know that you have a right to take up space at this university and be of the race that you are or the faith that you are, and for you to raise this as an issue so that the university is mindful of its conduct and that can then contribute to a culture of change. Joining me and Khadija is the Deputy Mayor of Bristol and Cabinet Member for Communities, Equalities and Public Health. She has a key role in elevating communities and is part of the city's mental health programme, Thrive. She has over 30 years experience as a community activist and is working hard to support underrepresented communities in Bristol. Her energy is infectious and I loved speaking with her, the strong, provoking and caring councillor Asha Craig. Never before have communities, equalities and indeed public health uh, been at the forefront of the work in this city. This year has just inspired me even more. Oh my God, the the generosity of spirit that has come out in terms of volunteering and the and the communities. You, you know, people who just don't even know each other, just waking up the next morning saying, oh, shut down. Oh, let me check on my neighbours, see if they've got access to food. It's just been an incredible experience. So yeah, it's been a great time to be me. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, and I was going to say that really links to this theme of like well-being and people of colour, because I love how much you focus on communities there and community support because community is so integral to different cultures and people of colour's well-being. So I think that's a great link there. Khadija, let me tell you, I say to people constantly, it's all too well and good, um, us as leaders kind of developing strategy and doing all it because we do amazing stuff you know the, the work that we've done around the one Bristol plan the 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 work that I'm doing around um, Thrive Bristol and I'll talk to you about our mental health and well-being program over 10 years but for me the reality I always say this is not going to work unless the compete this can can translate into the community I wanted to ask a bit more about community because you both talked about it so much. Uh, Khadija, you talked about it in your personal story and Asher, you, you've talked about it lots. So why is it you think communities, particularly for people of colour, is so important in uh, healing and supporting mental health issues? So for me, uh, from where, where I am, and um, I, I'm going to also talk from personal experience, not my own personal experience, uh, but a very close member of my family who I'm still 
helping to nav- navigate the mental health system. So, so my, my experience is, is live, sometimes quite raw as well because of the experiences um, uh, that they, they've had through the mental health system. And I think that is the problem. The mental health system is broken. It's not, it's not actually been really geared up it's not culturally appropriate in terms of the services that are being offered. Um, I'll give you an example of why the community is so important. So tackling gang violence, for example, okay? Um, and we we know that when we look at the adverse childhood experiences model and you look at the young people who it, we interface with who are um, caught up in gang and serious violence, many of them have underlying mental health issues, not necessarily picked up because everyone goes for the crime aspect. But when you break it down, you look at the trauma that these young people have actually been through. And I'm talking young black, particularly young black men and young black women. We don't want to criminalize these young people. We need to find a way to support these young people. You know, I was saying to the team, no disrespect, but these are young black men are not going to listen to white women or white male counsellors anymore. They've had terrible experiences in school where they only interface with uh, people who are in leaderships of power who do not look like them, who are always putting them down. And, you know, so they've had negative experiences maybe most of their life. And then you get caught up in the mental health system. And then there's another form of abuse that they feel that they are uh, subjected to or the services that are being delivered to them just really do not meet their needs. And, and, And you need more compassion as well. But there is also the other issue about stigma. In certain communities, mental health is a huge problem. And I and I know we put some money in, uh, supported the Somali communities and I uh, really have to big up some of the work that this, uh, uh, young people in the Somali community have done using football, using sport as a means and a ways in which to broach the conversation of mental health because mental health in some communities, uh, in some cultures is actually not a thing. You, you, they don't even know how to describe it. <laughs> It's it, it you know and, and many uh, and many don't even invest in mental health provision or, or, or services. Um, you know people are just crazy and they're either just left out on the street to wander and become homeless and what have you. It's complex. It's complicated, but um, I I think we can um, find a way through to support our communities. I had a question, kind of based on everything you said. Um, I think for me sometimes. Um, what can be an issue in these conversations around mental health and people of colour, the, the aspect of kind of just like taking an individual approach or kind of like speaking to one person, platforming them in the movement um, without actually trying to reach out to those communities and solve those issues you just spoke about. Because I feel sometimes the problem isn't necessarily that mental health is an entirely foreign concept. It's more that they have, that communities have their own kind of indigenous um, methods of dealing with things like through their culture through their faith through whatever means it is and actually sometimes it, it these programs can feel like white people telling them like this is how you need to talk about mental health as opposed to actually empowering them in the process so I was wondering like how through your work you feel that we can we can tackle that problem yeah you're absolutely you're absolutely right um 
I think it's now time to really look at the services that we're actually uh, delivering and actually look at whether or not they are meeting the needs of certain communities. And now is the time that people are actually listening. I think before a lot of our uh, our systems and organisations just played lip service. Yeah, we'll give a little money to the community-based organisation. Just let them get on and do it. But it's still business as usual in the kind of huge cog and wheel uh, that is looking at mental health. Uh, provision. What's important is we have the conversations with the communities and make sure that we are designing and delivering new services that meet the needs of what is a very um, diverse community, because that's the other issue as well. People, it's the whole argument around BAME. You just lump us all together as if we're just one homogenous community. We are so different. I'm Jamaican. Even someone who's from Barbados is different from, you know, to me who's from Asia, you know, from India to Southeast Asia to China. We're not that different nuances and different needs. And I think, uh, I, I I don't think the UK has really taken any time out to really consider um, the, the differentiation between so-called BAME communities, a, a, a term term I, I, I've stopped using um, last year, actually. Yeah, I don't really like it. What you said um, about it not just being a performative thing where you give organisations funding, but about actually listening to people of colour um, and listening to the unique issues that each culture and race faces, I feel is something that it would be interesting to see your advice on how the university could take that approach because I feel that previously there might have been an assumption made that just because counsellors receive a training package that that automatically means that they're understanding um, the issues that students of colour face when actually I hear so many stories on an individual level um, that you know on when you go to that student one-on-one uh, student of colour that they will face issues in their well-being that are linked to their race and their culture or their faith but those things still they're not getting the adequate support for them they're not being listened to about it so I was wondering what you thought about about the solution to that for me personally I think it's about how the the university kind of invests in its own um, and looks to really diversifying your counsellor your, your your student base I'm not saying you need you know someone who's Chinese or what have you but you need people who look like us have that understanding you know kind of get it you can give as much, I always say, say to people, you can give as much training till the cows come home. It, it, it still doesn't replace the lived experience. People don't pick counsellors because they just want a white counsellor or a black counsellor. But I think knowing that there is a pool there and that the other counsellors can look, you can all learn from each other, share notes, understand what's going on. I think we just need to create the space and ensure that there's that those people are coming through and are also supported at the same time. A lot of these students from Black and Asian minority ethnic communities aren't actually even getting to the counselling services in the first place. That's a lot of the issue because they experience these um, wellbeing issues by not being listened to on what they're struggling with. So there was a student um, that I know in the medical school um, who they kind of like talked about how they really want to be there for their family and support their family a lot more because of that. Um, cultural importance to them or family um, and then they were told oh your family just has to learn to do without you um, and that student immediately just felt that their experience um, as someone of a racial minority and um, as of a different culture just wasn't heard so they then kind of believe that the university doesn't really 
see them as having a value placed in their community and they're less likely to then seek any further support they might need. So it's an issue here of the students not being listened to and not and sometimes they're kind of seen as you're here to perform academically, but we're not accepting your race or your faith or your culture with you as your entire identity as well. So that can be some of the issue a lot of the time. There's one more question I'd like to ask before we finish. So focusing on uh, mental health and what that is like for people that experience marginalization and we've got your perspectives here right now which is really important I'd just like to hear a few words from both of you what do you want to say to those people that might be experiencing mental health issues as a result of marginalization in order to support and help them what advice might you give them you need to reach out um, to members of your your family initially, because usually that's where it starts. You know, people will be noticing kind of changes, um, uh, and um, also not to be afraid to actually um, find out if you not don't personally, but get someone to help you find out if there are any kind of either local services. Uh, particularly in the, your local community. So, for example, in Bristol, we have Nalari, uh, which provides a, a whole range of support services uh, 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 for Black, Asian and minority ethnic uh, communities. But they're only a small, they're just one one small organisation. Um, but I will also say to you that we, we are changing. So over the coming weeks and months, uh, we're going to see a real shift and in investment um, in, in um uh, mental health and wellbeing services for for our communities uh, and what we want to do is also make sure that people know how to navigate the services because that is the other issue as well oh my god navigating the service when someone's in the middle of a crisis and you turn up at Callington Road and they say oh sorry you got to go via your GP and what have you and I'm just like how do you do this thing how do you you know the, the, it, it, it is an issue and I know it's something that we we're going to try and address and make make anybody who's impacted either directly or indirectly as a family member really understands how they can navigate uh, and, and what access and what services are actually available to them. And ideally, we want to ensure that uh, we increase the number of counsellors that we have from our communities as well. It's really important. So uh, I think I will definitely be having a conversation with both the universities uh, uh, to, to look at ways in which we can try and address that. Because I'm here to help, not hinder, ever. We look forward to that conversation. And in Khadija? I think firstly, just talk to someone, anyone. Just know that whatever you're experiencing, it's valid um, and it's important and you should feel okay to take the time to feel whatever it is that you're feeling and then realize the variety of support that's available to you often because there are so many barriers to the conventional services around there are still issues around a lack of cultural competence in these services um, a lack of provision for people from um, a minority racial background but you still have other avenues of support there for you um, for lots of us in different communities family is so important culturally um, and so that kind of gives you it, it's it's a disadvantage only when support services fail to appreciate that but it's an advantage to you because it means that that's another avenue of support that you have your community as well your cultural beliefs all of these things that others have said aren't empowering for you can be empowering and can be a part of the healing process and the last thing to say as well is that if you're finding an issue accessing the services that should be available to you 
um, you know, the, the counselling services, the wellbeing advisors, they they should be able to understand the issues you're facing as a result of your um, uh, of feeling marginalised because of your race or your faith. They should be offering you some advice that encompasses all of that. Um, they shouldn't be dismissing the importance of cultural faith or race to you. If you find that those are issues that you're experiencing, it's not a problem with you. It's not a problem with the way you're speaking about your own health or what you feel feel can help you. It is a problem with that service. And so I want you to feel empowered to speak up if you notice that and speak out against it because that is the only way that these services are going to improve um, and provide support for everyone in our society equally. A big thanks to Khadija and Asha for taking part and sharing their story. If you are affected by the issues raised in this podcast, check out the episode notes for links to relevant support. Some of the best ways to combat mental health issues is through conversation, so don't be afraid to talk to someone you trust. And if you know anyone that might be struggling with these issues, please share this podcast with them. This has been an 1860 production for the University of Bristol. The producer was Rowan Bishop. <laughs>